Shout out to Skip. <laughs> yeah. So I just lay back, post, drip the cup. When niggas come through, we roll the woods up. We laugh about the good times that we had, fuck that. Talk about it. Shit, I said it. <laughs> All right, we back. We need answers podcast. Still, I guess we still in quarantine right now. Everything is changed in the world. But week by week, we steady getting through. A lot going on in the world right now. Um, today, we have a few of my guests. We have Ebony, Tiffany, Monet, family in here. And today, the topic is basically we're talking about raising men, which is very important in this time right now. Women raising men. Um, to be clear on that, uh, we previously did the previously did the single fathers and fatherhood episode, um, just to shed light on that about fathers that you know don't get the rec- well recognition or just you know don't get looked at that that you know take on fathers from a you know don't have a, a significant other or with the parent and things like that. But now we touching on the mothers because it's a very tough time we got going on in the world with all this violence and the protests and, and um, the men being gunned down wrongfully and everything else is going on. So we just felt like it's a perfect time to touch on this and how important it is about raising our young men the right way and just keeping things going uh, more positive versus a negative because there's, there's always three sides to every story, but we keeping it on a positive path. So um, these are three women that are significant to me. I tip my hat to a, a million times, um, staying the test of time and everything that's going on and um, pushing through and still raising these men the right way it's supposed to be. And I salute every woman. But, you know, these are three that are significant to me. And I plan on doing more than one parts of these to just, you know, keep digging into this. Because so, my whole goal in doing these Fathers and Mother episode is just to break these cycles and to continue to build on families versus baby mother, baby father type of situation. Like we just we want to get back to that and um, do us do our part to just keep passing the knowledge on and everything. So, um, like I said, um, these are three women that you know I've seen the stories and, and lived it with them as well. With um, you know uh, Ebony is the mother of my nephew. Uh, Tiffany and Monet are my big cousins, and I've seen their kids. All three, I've seen all the kids from day one, and i just seen the the growth. And um, we all know, we all kind of share similar stories. So, with that being said, um, if we can start from the top, I would say, I guess we could share, y'all could share um, the men that y'all raising, the young kings that y'all raising, just share, you know, who they are their names, and I guess how, well, let's say, I'll say, let's say, let's share your first thought when you found out you were having a boy. Let's say that. Uh, I guess I'll go first. <laughs> um, my son is Keon Jr. Everyone knows him as Snook. Little um, Snook. He is eight years old. He'll be nine in August. And I think my first thought when I was having a boy was oh shit (laughs) well first of all i found out i was pregnant late Mm -hmm. um so basically when i found out everything everything was boom 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 Mm -hmm. you're this many weeks pregnant you need to do this you're having a boy 
-hmm. it was no time to like really process and it's like I'm 20 years old like okay mm -hmm. but then you you don't think about it at the time but your child father is 20 years old too right mm -hmm. so it's like okay like let's buckle down and I, I feel like I know everybody in here feel the same way. When you find out that you're going to be a mother, it's like an instinct that kick in automatically. Like, you start thinking different. Mm -hmm. You start right. moving different. But it's just, I don't know. I, I don't really think that I really took into account of me having a boy and what was going on in the world yeah. as much uh -huh. until I actually started raising him and going through life. Right. Okay. So, I have four boys. Um Jordan, Joshua, Jalen, and Michael. Mm -hmm. My youngest is 18, and my oldest is 23. Um, when I found out that I was having a boy, I'm going to be honest, I was fearful. Mm -hmm. One, because um, me growing up in the inner city, I seen the struggles of being a black male and how hard it was to get out of the city without getting into the lifestyle of certain things like drugs and gangs and mm -hmm. um how to move forward and be successful. So instantly I was just like, I need to change my whole lifestyle mm. because now I'm raising men. I had already had a daughter, but it's different because women, we, we tend to figure it out versus men. If you raising them, it's like, you, in my opinion, you have to guide them along with certain things. And mm. so that they won't go to the streets for certain yeah. things. Mm. So, um, I just instantly started like, okay, well, I got to move. I got to move out of the city. I got to figure out how I'm going to, what's going to be the plan. And yeah. I began putting plans into place like far as like, okay, when they get this age, they're going to be doing this, this, and this. Mm. I pretty much mapped their life out for them. Okay. Um, and I pretty much mapped my life out around them. Mm. So, I mean, I'll go into more detail as we go along. But, um, yeah, that was my plan was mm. how I'm going to make sure that they're going to be all right. Right. Well, I have um, just one boy, Tristan. He's nine, and I well, I initially cried when I found out I was a boy, and that's only because at first it told me it was a girl. Oh, so <laughs> so I don't think I really understood the magnitude of what it meant to mm -hmm. really um, bring a, a child a child into the world altogether. But even a boy, and it was my first. He was my oldest, so it was my first child. Um, I think it was just like um like she like Ebony said, like just a natural instinct kicks in, like, mm -hmm. okay, you know, I was the oldest of um three. Mm -hmm. Well, I helped raise two other kids. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanna I'm the oldest of a lot of people. But so I already had those motherly duties or roles. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, okay, now I gotta kick it in gear for my own child. So that that really wasn't a fear for me. And I think, um, now thinking back of it, when I had him, we were living in Florida. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was a better environment because I didn't have the same type of pressures and things that I would be concerned about once we moved back to Maryland. Mm -hmm. Like even down to what they had on. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not materialistic. I like what I like, whether mm -hmm. it's Target or Gucci, I, I don't mm -hmm. care. Right. And I never raised my kids around like labels or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I realized how big that pressure is mm -hmm. of just everything, just even down to something as simple as like what they have on yeah. being like in Florida, it was so carefree and relaxed. You know, mm -hmm. we wore Crocs every day. Yeah. Like no one really cared. Right. But that was one of my, not really a worry, but I didn't want him to start like, oh, do fall I have the Jordans? Yeah, 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 fall yeah. into that trap of yeah. what you have on right, when we right. came back here yeah. and trying to be mindful of like, okay, I grew up in the city, but how mm -hmm. much of the city do I want him exposed True. to? Mm -hmm. So 
there was a lot of dangers in the city. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like dangers when you grow up in it, right, per se. Right, but yeah. once you actually you remove yourself from the mm-hmm. environment you see and see, yeah, see other aspects mm-hmm. of the world, you're like, okay, that was some really wild shit right. that, that right. I was exposed to way right. too early. Right. So, but there's a lot of strength that came from right. being exposed mm-hmm. and being raised in the city. Pros and cons. Yeah, so it's mm-hmm. like, how do you kind of like interject that in mm-hmm. their lives like okay so he started getting to the sport i'm like well maybe the sports team football team may be a city team mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah so okay. trying to figure out how to give him the a edge. little bit yeah, yeah a little yeah, bit exposure yeah, yeah. because he's going to need it mm-hmm. in other other avenues right, of life right, like right. you're going to need that type of toughness, toughness yeah. to help to help him survive right so Absolutely. that's the only i don't think i had any immediate fears like mm-hmm. when I knew I was having a child, but as he gets older, mm-hmm. they become more prevalent mm-hmm. in like trying to be more mindful of how you move okay. and look at things. Right. Okay. Um, next question was how was so? What was the relationship as y'all were going through the pregnancy and in the first stages of their life, the kids' life, like relations with the dads? Um, looking back on it. The relationship, like I said, we was 20. Yeah. So, like, when you're 20, you got this idea, like, okay, I'm pregnant. We about to build this family, this and the third. But, like I was saying, it goes back to a mother instinct kicks in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say fathers don't really realize or really take into account what's going on until they hold their baby and see, like, oh, this mm-hmm. is a real thing. Yeah. So, the the relationship, I mean, it was a, a normal 20-year-old, a normal 20-year-old relationship, but my relationship with my family grew stronger um, throughout my pregnancy and everything like that because they are a major support system for me. Like, they are my backbone. Um, And Keon was incarcerated very early Mm -hmm. um, within me having Snook. So Snook was probably about six months or so. So a lot of the first was missed. So I learned very, very early on how to navigate and how to do it alone. Right. Um, now, even though he was incarcerated, he was calling and things like that. Mm-hmm. Again, it's still a little young relationship that you're trying to, okay, I'm going to hold you down with mm-hmm. this child. Mm-hmm. But no, like, I got to be a woman. I got to start a career. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that that's where the the turn came. And I think because I was going this way, I got to do this for my child. I got to be this way. Right. The focus is not on you anymore. Okay. Um, so it, it, it dwindled as most young relationships and you have mm-hmm. the child. But we were friends first. Right. We were friends for years yeah. before we even had Snook. Mm-hmm. So it was it turned into we had multiple stages of the relationship. It was the young love, okay, now we're traveling into adulthood. Now we're becoming parents. Now we have to figure out how to co parent and throughout this whole time it's incarcerations. Mm-hmm. So now it's Okay, now I got to set boundaries. I have to be stern with what I say to you. I need for you to be here or not be here. I need you to call or not call. Mm-hmm. And I was always very stern with Keon. And everybody mm-hmm. knew that. It wasn't me trying to be, oh, you tough or whatever like that. Like, I have a son yeah. to protect. I have a child to raise. Mm-hmm. And I was always the person who, you did this. You made this decision. You explained this to him. Mm-hmm. You make this right. right. So... And I was just, I was always a stickler for that. Like, you explain to him where you at. Because me keep saying daddy at school because he's one or two and he doesn't really understand. But now he's going to school and now he's seeing donuts with dads. And why is my father not here at my birthday or things like that. And Mm -hmm. so 
you need to have this communication. You need to do that. So the relationship between him and I mm -hmm. turned co-parent very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so probably, at probably like age two okay. is when it was like done, okay. co-parent. Well, um, we did eventually get married, um, and we were young, so we trying to find out how to really deal with relationships. I mean, you have no one taught us, so you don't you don't know what you're getting into. You 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 go you basically learn as you go, um, and I think once I started having children. Like you said, something clicks and something changes for us. And he didn't want to leave certain lifestyle. And for me, I just was like, I'm tired of the same thing in and out of jail, the street life. I can't raise kids like that. Like I have men and I don't want them to think that this is acceptable. Or I have a, 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 a little girl. I didn't want her to think this is acceptable. This is what yeah. you should settle for. And it was really times where it was like up and down, up and down. We were be together, not together, be together, not together. And I didn't want them to see that mm -hmm. constant fighting or constant in and out of a relationship. And sometimes I think I stayed to try to have my kids have a mother and a father in the same household, but it wasn't healthy. Mm -hmm. And when I realized that I was doing something, I wasn't doing something that was good for them, I was actually hurting them in the process. Um, I decided that it was time to move forward. And unfortunately, it didn't... Um, it didn't work out too well. Like, I think for him, it was once he realized that I was serious about actually moving on this time, um, he just decided he just was not going to come around anymore. Um, so it was years and years and years. So I don't know, like, I couldn't, after that point of us separating, I couldn't tell you, because they were so young at that time, mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you, like, what it was like us I, I don't even know what co-parenting is because mm -hmm. I've never experienced it, you know. Mm -hmm. After that point on, I was a single mom. And I would never, one thing I will say, I would never talk bad about that dad to them, you know. Oh. I would never um, say, oh, he left because of y'all, or he left because of me, or he left because he just didn't care. I wanted them to be able to, if he ever came back in, to be mm -hmm. able to gain what they needed to gain from mm -hmm. how who he was mm -hmm. and not what I instilled in them. So nobody could ever say, oh, he, your, your dad left because your mom talked bad about him mm -hmm. or your mom treated him this way. I wanted my integrity to stay intact for my children. Mm -hmm. So they would say, no, my mom never yeah. You know, spoke bad. You know, my mom always said, I'm going to have to forgive my dad, you mm -hmm. know, even if you don't, even if you don't understand. Like, so, like I try to explain to them. Nobody probably taught him how to be a man. He grew up right. in a single family household with a mm -hmm. mom. His dad was um, in a service and he ended up having PTSD mm -hmm. and wasn't there. So who taught him right. how to right. be a man or how to be a father right. or how to do certain things? So you can't really hold people accountable mm -hmm. that don't know. True. That doesn't That's mean that you shouldn't excuse. do the right yeah, thing, yeah, right? So I'm not yeah. excusing it, yeah. but it... Keep it in mind. Keep it in mind. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. just can't say, well, he should have known better. Yeah. How? Right. When no one taught him. That's a fact. That's so, a fact. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Mine was, um, we were like, we were together. And it's funny because before I got pregnant, I was like, I want to break the cycle. Mm -hmm. I want to be married first mm -hmm. and be together before, um, kids, before kids. Mm -hmm. And I made that very clear. And, um, I ended up moving to Florida to um, to be with him, mm -hmm. and I swear, by like two months later, I was pregnant, and I was like, <laughs> okay. I was like, this was not the plan. <laughs> um, so 
that kind of like derailed things. But um, he had a he had a daughter um, before us, and she was maybe like one or like almost two. Mm-hmm. So I felt like with the times I saw him around his daughter, like I saw him engaging or he would have her out. Mm-hmm. So it made me feel like, okay, he's, you know, he's going to be a responsible dad. You know, I'm already seeing it for myself, mm-hmm. you know, cause that was always a big, you know, it's scary, especially you coming from a, you know, my mom wasn't there, nor mm-hmm. was my father. Mm-hmm. You know, he was in jail my whole life till mm-hmm. I was 16. So I didn't have that, that two parent or really one parent household to come from. So I was like, no, I, I want different. Yeah. So with the first child, it was good for a while. And then I think when you live with each other and have a baby, it it is going to change any dynamic of relationship. Mm-hmm. So um, he kind of, I think he got jealous of the attention that the baby was getting a little bit. Cause mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you go into you go you go into mother mode a nurturing mm-hmm. like he needs me you know I'm breastfeeding and so every two hours mm-hmm. so you kind of unless you make a conscious effort you kind of miss that couples mm-hmm. interaction that you need right. um, so it's like well well I can't put you for my baby right. I don't understand what you're talking so I you know but it does make sense but at that time you know I'm thinking like yeah. I don't know like what you want me to do like this is this is my baby like yeah, it's you? your baby also it's not like I'm picking somebody from the outside how old were you I was. 27 I might have been 28 by the time I had him and we were about the same same age Um, so I think that dynamic um, started changing things and just life and then I decided okay I'm gonna split and return to my because also I didn't have any family in Florida and by me coming from a big family and always you know I grew up around Everybody. All these cousins, yeah. and I was like, "Dang, I don't want my kids to miss out on that experience." Right. Like those are the best times yeah, yeah. Of, of my childhood. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "How do I?" I love living in Florida, but mm-hmm. I miss that family. That family, mm-hmm. and it started bothering me that he wasn't really a family person as I thought. Okay. So in the beginning, you know, I would go around maybe some of his family members or certain mm-hmm. things, but. I started noticing that he didn't have that connection with his family. Okay. And that started bothering me as well. Like, well, mm-hmm. you can you got an argument with your cousin. Okay, talk it out. Be mad, you know, say a month. But yeah. don't shut your face. Like, I don't believe in the cutting the family off thing. That yeah. That's, I mean, I just wasn't raised that right. way. So right. that's, that's it to me means extreme. So it's like, well, if you can cut your family off like that. Would you that, do it with me? Yeah, I mean, it just seemed yeah. kind of cold. Like, yeah. Where, where are you centered or grounded? Like, what means something to you? Right. So we split up. I came back to Maryland. Mm-hmm. Ended up trying to figure it out because what played in the back of my mind, my consciousness, is I don't want to have, I, I want to keep a family together. Yeah. So it wasn't really like me feeling like I wanted to be back with him per se. Mm-hmm. It was the stronger feeling of I want to keep my family intact. Yeah. So that kind of overpowered what I felt like my best interest may have been mm-hmm. in I didn't really know my child's best interest, but I thought it, it got to be better with two parents in a home. Right. right. Then I got pregnant I, again mm. in denial for probably four months. <laughs> that, <laughs> I don't think I even told anybody. I was like, no, you know, I'm going to get my cycle any minute now. This is not happening <laughs> because my son wasn't even one yet. Like mm-hmm. he was nine months. Okay. And I was like, 
I used to actually say, like, who gets pregnant back to back? Like, <laughs> the hell? Like, I can't. I'm counting the months. Like, this is like, so I'm like stressed. Like, I cannot believe I'm about to have another no. another baby. Mm-hmm. And we can't even figure this, this out with one. Mm-hmm. So we got back together and tried again. And same old story. It just it just doesn't work out right. because I think our value systems just ultimately didn't line up. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of my fears, because when we broke up the first time, he kind of stopped talking. He kind of cut both of us off. Okay. You so, and your son. You, me and the baby. So it's like, all right, well now I'm about to have two. So one of my fears of leaving him was that if he did it before, he's going to do it again. So my fear was like, if I leave him, he's not going to have a relationship with these kids. Right. And as time grew on, I was like, I just gotta, yeah. I just gotta see if it yeah. happens. Like that's not yeah. my responsibility right. anymore. That's right. up to him right. to be to be a father. Right. So and once we broke up and I finally ended it, he kind of ended the relationship with all of us. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, I mean, I guess you know more detail, but yeah. <laughs> you know he's kind of come back and kind of like with Ebony I had to like start setting boundaries yeah, and yeah. they take offense to it and take it personal but it's not about you right. mm-hmm. just like it's not about me yeah. You, yeah. I, if you come around it doesn't help me right. like I, I don't I don't need you per right. se and they even take offense to that mm-hmm. like I don't know what you want to hear yeah. like I don't need you but your kids do right, right. you like you and I, although I, his he had a stepdad that was around mm-hmm. his father wasn't but to me I don't care mm-hmm. and to me that's that could be a tribute to why you have these behaviors, but that's that's not an excuse because yeah. you know how it, it felt when your dad wasn't around right. so or if you didn't have a mother. So you know how you felt. So why would I give those or potentially give my my children those same type of right. feelings? Right. So to me, you have to be accountable. Yeah. It's not a I don't care who was there or who raised you. You know how it made you feel. Right. You Even if you block out those feelings yeah. or you or you move on, why would you want to intentionally do that to your kids? Because you're making a choice not to be there. Mm-hmm. He's not incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Never have been. So right. you're making a conscious decision because you're mad at me. Right. And you don't even have, like, we, there's so many ways around it. Like, guys can go to the court system just like women can. Mm-hmm. So I, I just get tired of, hit, like, us trying to, as a society sometimes, mm-hmm. pacify and give these men or women, because there's some women who aren't there, mm-hmm. uh, out. No, there's no out. Mm-hmm. It's only one or two things. You're either going to be there for your kid or you're not. Right. Okay. So it's like, it's not about me. And, and, you, we don't know. There's no like manual for raising a kid, so we don't really know how that affects them. You coming in and out, mm-hmm. you know, and it even affects every child differently. But yeah. I know they need consistency. Mm-hmm. So even if it's a consistent phone call and you're not showing up, you have to give them consistency because you don't know how not doing that is going to ruin their lives or yeah. affect them emotionally right. and their other relationships. So it's just not. It's so unfair, yeah. and it's hard for a mother to make that decision. Like. Well, I don't want to. I don't want him to push. Feel like I'm pushing him away. Yeah. And that, and that's why I started feeling. So I would try to be catering to his feelings. Yeah. Like, okay, well, just do this, do that. Like, no, like yeah. you're a grown ass fucking man. Right, right. I don't. Got, I shouldn't have to hold you. I gotta hold my kids' hand. Yeah. Well, I'm holding your hand yeah. and trying to persuade you to come spend right. time with your kids right. or trying to make it work for you. Like you're not that fucking busy. So it's a, <laughs> is it a battle? It's like a battle of saying fuck you, but I do want you to do this though. Kind of like it's completely that yeah. it, it, because you're a person and your feelings are involved mm-hmm. because you're looking at how it affects your kids mm-hmm. because once they get older you can see little little ways it starts to affect them right. so it's like i yeah. had to protect them but we, we 
we still don't know to what extent. Yeah. Like how how much room do I give him to mess up? Right. You know so that, how much? Was, yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, but that was going to be my next question because y'all all touched on boundaries, and I know that's always like y'all said, like that's a beef with guys because it's like they looking at it quickly, like you trying to keep me away type yeah. of thing. But like y'all said, it's important because if I give you too much and then you leave, you messing up everything I just yeah. built for you. So talk about how and why the the boundaries are important to y'all. All of them. So I think boundaries is um, very important, especially when you are in a relationship with a person and coming out of the relationship. Because I find a lot of times it's always it's it's a conflict and it's a confusion of you raising your child and you being in a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. It's two different things, mm-hmm. and I think that's where the boundaries come in. It um, for me personally, I always had an open door policy. Um, whether or not if we were in a good space or a bad space. He could always visit my child, whether I will take my child to my mother's house. And I always had boundaries because it was certain things and certain lifestyles that I didn't like. So, no, you're not taking my child because I don't know where you're going. I don't know who car you're in. I, I don't know. And that was that was always an issue. But on the flip side, it was also, but I'm not keeping you away. You can come see him. Always had a bedtime at 8 o'clock. He's been like that since he was a baby. Why are you calling me at 10 o'clock talking about what is he doing? Right. <laughs> like, he's, exactly. he's asleep. And you know that's, the right. Mm-hmm. So then that's where the boundaries started to come into play. Mm-hmm. Don't contact my phone after 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Why are you being like that? Because he's asleep. It's nothing that we need to talk about. He's two. <laughs> right. He's three. So it's it's it was a constant battle with that or like oh if you don't want to be with me then I don't want to talk to you but there's a child like you you need to communicate with the child and then the thing with the incarcerations with the in and out it was okay his first bid was like 18 months he come home my son is walking you missed a lot of important things first birthdays first Christmas first Easter everything like that okay we're going to try and then it went to okay you're home for a little bit he's going to acclimate it to you okay great but it's still okay we're not working so we're, we're going to sever these ties so once those ties were severed it's like okay well how do I make this clear you can still see your child but it's not about us mm-hmm. that was one of the biggest battles okay that I think took us a long time to get to it because when I was done, I was done. And it wasn't, I'll be, I can't say it wasn't hard feelings because I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't, but it was more so about the process of moving on. Mm-hmm. And then when you're incarcerated and you say, you call Monday, you tell him, you get him all excited because he hasn't talked to you in a little while. He hasn't, he don't see you because I was very adamant. I was not taking my son to a jail or to a prison to visit him and that was something that we had discussed so if you make these choices and if that's where you end up at you can call him but i'm not bringing him because i he's already a statistic he's already a black man living in baltimore city and it it, it just is what it is let's let's call a spade a spade so i'm not going to bring him to this institution to see you behind bars to see you behind a glass and he's thinking okay is it's this normal. a way of life? Normal, this is yeah. normal. Yeah. I didn't want him to ever start processing right, like, right, right. oh, this is normal for me. Yeah. This is, this can be my outcome because yeah. at the end of the day, it's not your outcome right. and it will right. never be your outcome. And I 
work so, so hard to make sure that it's not. And if you call him on Monday, don't tell him you won't call him on Tuesday and then you don't. Because mm-hmm. now we got a beef. Yeah. Right. And then you call a month later, you think he about to get on the phone? No. Because at the end of the day, he was so young. He might, you you were a thought, but you wasn't in his everyday thought process. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like out of sight, out of mind because he was that right. young. But now that you're calling, oh, my daddy, my daddy, or whatever it may be. Daddy called, he said he going to call me today. And then it's kind of like, all right, now I got to step in. Because like I said, I was never that person to say, don't call, don't do this, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Be consistent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You going to call or you not? Mm-hmm. Pick a side. Stay there. Right. And if you're not going to call, because it, eventually we had a conversation. It was hurtful for him to hear him on the phone and not be able to see him grow and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I'm a very empathetic and sympathetic person, so I get that. But my focus is him. So don't call. Repair the relationship when you come home. Or call and continue to re- repair the relationship when you get home. Pick a side. And it always came up, came off to him as I'm being mean or <laughs> whatever it may be. Or Ab is tough. Or he was famous for going to his grandmother, like, can you talk to my can you talk to my being mother? Can you talk to Abby? <laughs> or whatever it may be. Because even on my, my relationship with him, Severed, I never had bad beef or bad blood with his family. I'm still very close to his family to this day. Like father side, mother side very close with them Mm -hmm. and I think that played a major part in us being able to get to where we were with Mm -hmm. co-parenting I'm not going to say it wasn't wasn't hard or bad times even up until the day that he died we had a we had an argument on that Friday so and it was just like it's it's just being very stern and saying what you mean and mean what you say like I'm not I can't say oh don't call on Tuesday and then when you call I answer and give him the phone it's just a matter of showing I'm serious. And he was never used to that. It was like, I'm a, like I said, I'm a nice person. So I'm like, okay, you need this? Okay. I'm just that. that Shocked him. Yeah. Shocked him. He was like, where this come on? from? Right. Or she, but it's just a different, it's a yeah. different, it's a different type of thing when it comes to your child, right. your protector. I have to think about his best interest and what's going to help him. And it's already to a point where so you, you second-guess everything that you make a decision. Am I making this right decision? Am mm-hmm. I doing this right thing? And I go so far into his future. This decision I make today, how is that going to affect him when he turned 18? Mm-hmm. And it's just, and I just never wanted him to feel like he wasn't wanted or wasn't loved or he didn't have that bond with his father because of something, like you said, because of something I did, mm-hmm. which is why I worked so hard to try to keep that open. Because I saw my mother do My mother was a single mother. And my father was very much so present in my life. But decisions and everything came down to my mother. So it was like, okay, I just want to make sure that he has both parents. And like you were saying, it's it's hard because you, you start you start to second guess, like, am I, am I right? Or you start not putting yourself first or your feelings and things like right. that. And I became like this isolated wall because that's how I had to be for you to get it. Yeah. So. We hard-headed. As, as I can see, I can speak for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we definitely hard-headed. But go ahead, Mo. So for myself, as I told you, um, when we made that decision, I don't know if the kids remember this, but he literally told them that as long as they was with me, he wasn't going to be around. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he thought I was going to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, that was the comment he made. So 
I at that point I didn't anticipate him ever being around. I just mm-hmm. did what I had to do. Mm-hmm. And Josh was last year of high school. We were playing city, and I honestly think that he was at the game to see somebody else. Mm-hmm. And he just ha- we just happened to be playing Franklin, and oh. the boys was there because I look over and he's coming towards them, and it's like, is this real? Like right. it's. Uh, 35,000 years later, yeah. and here you are. And, and the boys even said to me afterwards, like, Mom, why did you let him come up to me? I don't know him. We don't, you know, they, they had no clue as to who he was. Okay. And they, he tried to, I, I don't know if he tried to have a relationship with, I don't know what, what his purpose was for coming around there, but I knew initially when he came to the next game, I said, listen, we need to have a conversation. I said, because what you can't do is, even though they're teenagers, because all of them was in high school, mm-hmm. I said, you will not be in and out of their life. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be in from this point forward, or you're going to be out. And I said, you're going to hear some things because they're older, mm-hmm. and you might not like what they say to you, because now they're at the age where they can tell you how yeah. they feel or what you did, how that made them feel. Uh-huh. I said, so you're not ready to deal with that or the consequences of certain things. You might need to keep moving. Yeah. I said, but if you're going to man up, then you're more than welcome. I'm not going to prevent it, but you can't force something. You, you can't right. force yourself on them. Mm-hmm. And even to the point where he wanted to take them places, I don't know you. Mm-hmm. They don't know you. I don't know your lifestyle. I don't know who you be with. Mm-hmm. And I can't have my kids subjected to certain things. They have like things they got going on. They, they can handle their whole future. Right. I'm not going to yeah. put them in situations and you take them to somebody's house and the house get raided. Not mm-hmm. necessarily saying it's going to happen, yeah. but yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't know who you are. Yeah. We haven't known you in years. Right. So then he disappeared again. So I don't know, you know, yeah. that was as far as we got with the boundary situation. Right. So okay. it happened for like a couple of weeks and that was it. So mm-hmm. I don't really have any much. I mean, other than what I see other people go through. But I always try to tell people you have to set boundaries. You have to be firm and stick to it. And don't feel bad about how you feel. You know, mm-hmm. you're doing what's best for your child. Right. I don't agree with people fighting or using the child as a pawn, I don't mm-hmm. agree with that at all. Right. Because it's a lot of women out here that would love to have that, that their kid's father and their child's life, whether they're together or not. Right. So I don't agree with women or men, whatever, whatever the single mm-hmm. parent is, using, using that child yeah. as a pawn to get what they want from the other parent. So mm-hmm. other than that, set boundaries, stick to them, and mean what you say. Um, initially, when we first broke up, um, because of how he... Stop talking to me before with the kids. I was trying to make sure I, I did what I could to foster like a relationship. I so I think he was still living in Florida at the time. So when he came to Maryland, it was like, all right, well, let's do something with the kids. Or so it kept being like a family thing, mm-hmm. and I was like. Okay, this is cool, but at some point they have to figure out that mommy and daddy aren't aren't going to be together. Like, you know, I was like, okay, well, just pick them up and I'll see y'all when y'all get back. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you got a room somewhere, you know, y'all go chill at the hotel. Like, I don't have Mm -hmm. to be there. Mm -hmm. And when I started setting those initial boundaries, that's when the pushback came back and that's when he kind of kind of dwindled away. Okay. And I think he probably, after that, didn't talk to us for maybe like a year mm-hmm. um, or t- almost two years. And even when he came back, you know, I was frustrated, but I never was going to put how I felt above what the kids needed. Right. So I never said never come around. I, I have never one time said, no, you can't see your kids. Right. I have never said, no, don't call your kids. In fact, I was like the whole time you can't say that 
you didn't have my number. You had his iPad information. Mm-hmm. So when we were cool, you you would call him on the iPad and have your own conversation. You could have still done that. Right. Or you knew where I was living. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to drop on their birthdays or, or, you know, on Christmas, right before Christmas, they're expecting gifts from you. And then mm-hmm. you just vanish. Nothing. Yeah. Like, you didn't even make sure I had them taken care of right. for the holiday. It's just like you didn't really care. Mm-hmm. And I don't care how you want to sugarcoat it. That's just the bottom line. Because right. if you care, you have to make sure your kid's good. Right. You don't, I mean, as, as what, I'll just say single parent, because I want to uh, focus on women, but yeah. as that parent, that sole provider, you make sure your kids are good, but mm-hmm. it's so unfair that the other parent think that they can just leave and yeah. that just be your sole burden. Right. And not have any care about how well that their own child is being provided or taken care of mm-hmm. or if they even sick like with with your child wake up with just some type of you know coronavirus yeah. shit it, be, yeah. it could be that like right. you don't even know if your child is sick right now because you don't even take the time to check in right i've never asked him um say oh you had to pay me money if you want to see them mm-hmm. like i know you haven't you've been gone for two years right. like you it's time you, you yeah. did you come with some shoes or something <laughs> right. i never said that i said you can't see your kids unless you bring or something like mm-hmm. i've never set those type of boundaries the only boundary that i've been consistent with is for him to be consistent right. mm-hmm. and that's the only boundary i set and then after that i was going to ask for child support i mean all you know all the other <laughs> stuff was going to come because right. kids cost money but yeah. I wanted, I wanted to stress that, and I didn't want him to hold use that as an excuse, like, well, she wanted money or she wanted this. She said, no, I don't want you to have any excuse from me yeah. why you couldn't step up mm-hmm. and be there. So I never put those stipulations. Mm-hmm. So um, I just let him hang himself. And he took offense to, like, oh, I think he's just, I don't know if he's just oblivious to it or just doesn't want to accept that being in and out of your kid's life affects them in a negative way. Yeah. So he was like, well, he just, I just can't fathom him not understanding the good conversation yeah. of you have to be consistent. Sure. Like it, it just becomes draining trying to say it over and over again. And even when he put pop in and pop out, um, Tristan would start having issues in school. Mm-hmm. Like I could see changes in his behavior. Okay. Like, you know, say they'd be going strong, he'll go strong for a week and then he just vanishes. Mm-hmm. Then Tristan may start acting up in school. So one time I sent them an email from the teacher saying, well, hey, is something going on? And I was like, look at the timeline. Right. I was like, think about when you start talking to him and then when the teacher yeah. said that he started acting out in school. Right. And then it was a whole conspiracy of me talking to the teacher and like <laughs> trying to put something against him. Like, I never told the kids one bad thing about you. Yeah. I won't do that. That's right. for them. Like, I'm not going to put any bad... Mm-hmm. Um, images them because you're still that father. Yeah. I'm not even going to talk bad. You. I'm going to tell the truth. Yeah. If you're not providing for your kids, you're not providing for your kids. Right. But I'm not going to bash you because at the end of the day, I can never change you from being their dad. Right. And there's good in you. Mm-hmm. It's your job to, to do the good. But it, you know, also the boundaries of just like I, just being like just being there. <laughs> like I, it's just so perplexing how you can continue to have kids mm-hmm. and. I don't want to. I don't want to bash the other mother, but it's like it's just accountability all around the board. Mm-hmm. So if I meet a guy and I know that he has kids, mm-hmm. I'm not having kids by him if I don't see him with his other kids. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like why do you think you're exempt from him doing that to you and your kids? Okay. Or it, it's just it's just so many different boundary levels and. We could probably be, be on that be on that topic all day long because 
I don't know if he's just a narcissist because mm. everything becomes about him and how right. he feels. And I was like, I don't care. Yeah. You know, it's about, your, it's about yeah. your child. Like, you don't yeah. even want to talk about, well, well, what was he doing? Or they how is he responding? Or how, yeah. how is he feeling now? You automatically go to that me and the teacher is a conspiracy <laughs> about, about you. It's just like you have no regard for, I don't know how many more examples I can show you that your absence mm. affects them. Right. And then you come back around and you want to know, oh, what school did, what did, well, what school did they go to? Can you put me on their contact list? No. Hell no. Yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, right. the hell? Like, yeah. I, and I was like, those are things that a active parent does. does. Yeah. I was like, if you be consistent, sure. Like, you go up there whenever you want. But I'm not doing that. So that that's, that's also a boundary that I had to set. Like, no, you can't know what school they go to. Until I feel comfortable. I mean, they're old enough that they can tell you, but I'm not going to put you on that contact paper because legally you can take them. Like, I don't have full custody. Mm -hmm. So that was my fear. Like, is he going to take them and go back to Florida? Florida. Or, you know, I don't really have a say. Mm -hmm. So, and why I made that a boundary is because one day I, you know, I would let him take them to school and then Mm -hmm. he just didn't take them to school. They just had a field day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, the fuck? Like, yeah. I didn't even know until the school called and say, hey, the Wait. kids aren't here. Oh, and I was like, how can you leave here saying you're taking them to school? And because them. this is the day you had time, quote unquote, mm-hmm. you felt like, oh, we need to spend time with each other. That was more important. I said, you don't get to make that decision. Right. It's nothing you were showing him between the school hours that you can show him after school and on the weekend. Yeah. But you, but because of his rationale and his thinking pattern, it's like, I can't trust you to make uh, good decisions in, in that decision. yeah and yeah. yeah like it's too illogical or irrational sometimes mm-hmm. not that I don't think he's smart because I don't want to seem like I'm I'm bashing him but yeah. you your kids need to go to school right you weren't teaching him anything yeah. outside of school like they can yeah. go to the I'm gonna make up something the aquarium uh-huh. the aquarium's open seven days a week exactly. yeah. why do you have to make him but it's about him right. it was a, it was convenient for like him yeah. and I was trying to set boundaries to get his mind to move into that to understand yeah, to, to understand that mm-hmm. the boundaries are for the kids you know it's, it has to be focused around what works for them not yeah. your schedule and what will benefit them mm-hmm. yeah so um, all three of y'all talked about trauma and um, relationships and uh, y'all we talk about a lot about not receiving a lot of affection from our parents and things like that growing up or receiving it in a different way. So um what's what how did what what do y'all feel about, you know, I would say the trauma of the community as well as, you know, our parents growing up in a different era, their type of affection or their type of discipline is different from today. So how do y'all feel about the importance of, like you said, changing that narrative about a lot of stuff that, you know, being a, like you said, product of your environment or just, you know, knowing things. Because like like I shared on another episode just about, um, and we talked about this, about not really even hearing from my mother at an early age, like getting hugs or saying, hey, and I love you or comparing the affection that I get from my, because my at an early age, my father, well, my father told me as I got older, he told me that he thought he could just provide and my mother do the mm. job of that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of men get confused with that thing and that, that's okay. And he, but he would share that he went through the same thing with his, because that's what his father did with him. But if you know what effect, like, like all y'all said, if you know what the effect that left on you, because they got a, my grandfather, my father got the craziest relationship. Like I, <laughs> I thought he hated his father, but then when they get around each other, it's like, they love each other, but once he say how he feel about them, 
and he felt that he wasn't being taught what he should have been taught, why didn't you change that when it came to your son? So, and um, and so many more things, but how do y'all, just, just what's y'all thoughts on changing the narrative, like raising men and, um, in a new era compared to, you know, things before? Any of y'all. So, um, <laughs> so I was, I was flip-flop between parents mm-hmm. based on what they had going on in their life. You know, my mother had periods when she, had her moment when she was dabbling and stuff, and um, she couldn't take care of me, so I would go stay with my dad. My dad girlfriends didn't want an extra child there. I would go stay with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. So um, it wasn't to me, I don't feel like I got a lot of affection. I don't even know how I became so affectionate with my children, to be honest, because I never received that. Right. My father was in the service. He traveled a lot, so he was just like, oh, I'll send her money. Mm-hmm. My mother, I was the oldest child, so I felt like I took over where she left off with my siblings, you mm-hmm. know. I had to be responsible for a whole lot of things in the house mm-hmm. at an early age. So, when my kids came, I was just like, I'm not having that for them. Like, yeah. I'm overly affectionate. Like, okay. you know, to the point where I'm always kissing, hugging, love, <laughs> I love you. Yeah. You know, I made sure that... And one of the biggest things I think affected me, I, must, I had to go back because I noticed when I was a child, my parents didn't show up to a lot of things that was important to me. Okay. You know, they just didn't have time. Mm-hmm. And I was determined not to do that for my kids. Like, so I said, my life was centered around them. Mm-hmm. My hours, our work was around whatever they had going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to school around whatever they had going on. Mm-hmm. Like, I was at football games, every practice. I didn't All miss up. nothing <laughs> yeah. because I wanted them to know that somebody cared enough mm-hmm. to take the time out to be there, right. no matter what the situation was. Mm-hmm. And I dedicated myself to doing that, um, even to the point where my I was at my mom's house, and she put her head on my shoulder and you I just looked at it. Yeah, I didn't know how to respond to it. I just looked at it like, what's going cool? It was so uncomfortable right, to it me. Was different. And then when my son did the same thing, like five minutes later, I put my hand on his right. head. She's like, well, why you didn't do that to me? I was like, well, you didn't never do that to right, me. Right, like, right. how am I supposed to respond to you? Yeah, yeah. So um, those things really helped me to mm. be better at. Um, I'm probably overly affectionate now. Like, I don't, mm. I'm telling you, I don't know where it came from. But a lot of that. Um, Stem for me not wanting them to feel what I felt okay. as a child. You know, I didn't like how I felt isolated. And then, being, like you said, we have a big family and mm-hmm. we always together. And I felt like I wasn't always connected because I was shipped all over the place mm-hmm. all the time. So mm-hmm. it was times when y'all was having things going on and I felt like I missed those memories. Mm-hmm. And I never want to be in a place with my kids where I miss those moments. Right, right. Even like when... Um, when Joshua was going away for camps and Jaden was going away for different camps and mm-hmm. I would see like different parents be there. And even though I was happy and proud that I was there to support him, mm-hmm. it did something to me because most of those people had a mother and a father there yeah. or most of the people had fathers there. Mm-hmm. This is football camps. This right, is basketball right, right. camps. Yeah, yeah. Like you mothers weren't fathers. really involved. Yeah, yeah. And I'll never forget the time when my sister who don't cry, mm-hmm. she broke down crying and I was like, well, what's wrong with you? She was like, <laughs> I just don't know, you know, all these dads here and it's just me and you. But she always was there. Like, uh-huh. when I tell you, she was like my baby daddy. Because she <laughs> was at everything with these kids. Like, right. she helped me through a lot of stuff that I didn't have that su- support. So, because she, and, and she wasn't always like that. My sister was selfish. Mm-hmm. I don't know where she could. It just changed overnight, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, by her being there supporting me, it was I was able to give so much more to them. Mm-hmm. But I just knew I didn't want... 
we didn't we talk about this all the time. We mm-hmm. didn't have that. Yeah. I don't know if it's because they never had that. Yeah. I don't recall getting That's hugs. What it is. I don't do I have my mama says she loves me now. <laughs> but back then I don't know recall her saying, you know, I love you. Yeah. So it's foreign to me. Yeah. So I try now to even when I go in her house to give her a kiss or a hug because mm-hmm. it's still and it still feels uncomfortable, yeah. but I try to do it more because it's just something we wasn't taught. But the, in my household, that's all we did. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I get both angles of it. Um, and like I said, I was raised by my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, father was always present in the picture, but when it came to, like, if they weren't getting along or whatever it may be, as I got older, I started noticing more. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I wasn't getting phone calls or certain things like that. Or he would pop up at my school and bring me lunch or bring me a Valentine's Day gift just to make sure that I was still aware, like, daddy love you, I'm here, and things like that. And my affection basically came from my grandparents. Mm. Um, If you know me, you know I'm extremely, extremely close with Mm. my grandmother. That's my best friend, that's my ride or die. Mm. But it's a requirement. When I walk in her house, I'm hugged, I'm kissed. Mm. My grandfather, that's where I got that, what I want from a man and what I require. Back then, I didn't know that. But when I walk in the house, he grabs me. He hugs me. To this day, my grandfather's 77 years old. He hugs me. He kisses me. How was your day? You look nice. Your hair looks pretty. Or anything like that. And so those things came heavily from my grandparents. My mother always told me she loved me and things like that. But like you say, like to this day, I walk in the house where it's I walk in the house with my grandmother, I'm instantly walking over so I'm going to kiss her. Walk into my mother's house, hi, mommy, and sit down. Right. So it's... It's, it's different from where you get it from. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and I think I give that to my son mm-hmm. a lot because I want him to have that mm-hmm. from his mother and know, hey, mommy loves you. Like, I had a, recently had a conversation. He's going to the fourth grade. I'm that mom that, like, goes on a black top and stand in line with him, meet his teacher and mm-hmm. everything like that. I'm like, so do I have to stop that this year? Because <laughs> right. he get a little bit older or I kiss him and hug him before he get out of the car. I tell him I love you. Because truth be told, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I do it a lot now since he lost his dad. Mm-hmm. I've always done it. But now it's like overkill and I'm kind of I feel like I'm smothering him <laughs> but I'm like okay let, let me chill out but then you also have the critics that's like he's a boy stop doing that and I'm like so we're not supposed to love our men hmm. of course, that's, we're, that's, we're not supposed to hug, it, hug on our, yeah. hug on our yeah. black men and let right. them know that we love them and we see you as kings right. and and I think that that's where a lot of the disconnect comes from the generation that we're in and the men that we deal with yeah. because they kind of wasn't showed that. So when we do it to our sons, mm-hmm. it's like... Keep repeating. Yeah, it, it, it keeps repeating. And it's yeah. like, oh, he's a boy. Yeah. Don't pay him up. He got to be tough. He yeah. can't cry. He can't do this and he can't do that. Yeah. And I feel like that that hinders our children or... It hurts way more than help. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it hurts. Sure. Like even sure. down to a, um, a moment uh, when his father passed, he cried once. Mm-hmm. He cried when we told him. So that whole week after that, it was like radio silence. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there as a mom, like, do you want to talk? Are you okay? Or, like, mm-hmm. because it's, I, I, I need to see your emotion to, right. to be inside your head. Yeah. And I think to him, because his father told him, 
boy, you tough. Yeah. You tough, right? Yeah. Don't cry. So in his mind, my father would my father wouldn't want me to cry. Right. Mm-hmm. Vero and funeral didn't cry. It took him to get in front of the casket as we was walking out for him to show mm-hmm. emotion. And immediately what he did, he ran to his grandfather. Mm-hmm. Because he didn't want nobody to see him cry. Mm-hmm. And I have to have these conversations. It's okay to show emotion. It's okay. And I just think that us, if we didn't receive it, it's so, so important for us to give it. Give it. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's a fact. Because a fact. if they, if like you were saying, if you don't know, yeah. you can't do it. Or right. like you can't show it and it's really hard to learn it. So I just think it's so important for us to do that, and I'm just I love it, and I'm a, because I was loved doing it as a child. Yeah. So I know what it did for me, and it helped me as a person and built me as a person. Like my best friend, she don't like hugs at all. Like she don't like to be touched. But last mm-hmm. year was the most that we hugged ever, and we've been friends for almost twenty some years. So, and that was very prevalent. She gives hugs now. So, and it was just it's just something that I think we have to learn even as adults we still learn. I agree. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. I I didn't get the I love you. <laughs> I love you's going up at all. Mm. And I was raised by my grandmother who she was a firecracker. Tough like <laughs> so her her mouth was slick, you know, she was always cursing something, but she also showed you a lot of love. Mm-hmm. Like that saying I love you just wasn't her love language. Yeah. And I think because of that, she had 12 kids. Mm. So it wasn't their love language really either. So we all learned growing up to show our love in different ways. And it was more by action or doing, you know, or it could have been a gift or something like that. Mm. And when I addressed it, when I got older, like, you know, I rarely recall you even saying I love you or, and she kind of got defensive. And I was like, that's my truth. I didn't say you didn't love me. I'm saying that you actually sitting down or giving a hug or, you know, kids need that, that affection. Mm -hmm. I was like, you didn't provide that. I'm not saying it's not taking away what you did provide, but I'm letting you know that I missed that. And so I made a conscious effort before I have kids to change that. And I actually had to, like, really make a con, like, like get in the flow of make myself, not really make myself, the emotions are there, but, okay, make sure you're saying I love you. Like, verbalize it and make sure I'm very vocal about it. So now it comes natural for them, but it's still not as natural for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I still use the other lang- love language for other people unless they're, like, really close. Like, I might you know, do something for them or show love to them in other ways. But um, I think that's just not saying I love you and not showing that affection or or thinking that boys don't need as much love Mm -hmm. and nurturing as um, females Mm -hmm. is more of a overall cultural issue and concern. And that's not really because we weren't affectionate as a people mm-hmm. that just stems from the racism and mm-hmm. slavery and all that other stuff that was instilled and how they broke down families and, mm-hmm. and relationships. So if you really think about it, not to go deep in it, but once slave masters saw that, you know, you loved your husband mm-hmm. or you only had kids, he separated your family. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you had to make yourself not let someone else know who you okay. really cared about. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like, well, if, if the master knows that, this, this, is my fa- like this is my favorite son or this, you know, yeah. I need my husband. That's how he's going to hurt me. Yeah. He's going to hurt me by removing that person. Yeah. So I think that subconsciously, 
It's passed down. It's passed down mm-hmm. because it's like that fear of that Separated. person being yeah. taken from you. Yeah, you. So there's a lot of things that we like just from history has been passed down that, you know, even talking about what's going on or what's wrong with you mm-hmm. or feeling like it was showing emotion is not a strength yeah, because to be it's actually the quite it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. It actually takes a stronger person to open up and yes. say how they feel yeah. and express yeah. what's going on than it is a shutdown. Right. And I was a shutdown person. Mm-hmm. You know, I, before I was like, you know, I, I, I probably was a little nothing. bit of aggressive. You know, I probably use aggression more. Like, yeah. okay, we're not doing a whole lot of talking. Let's right. just right. go in. <laughs> but but, but that is a hindrance. That means you can't vocalize or express yeah. what you're feeling. Yeah. In a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it takes more time. It takes more practice. It takes a lot more patience to be able to verbalize what you're saying right. and let somebody know how you're feeling and actually receive how they're feeling. Right. Because, you know, I could give, like your best friend, you can give her a hug, but something about that makes her uncomfortable. That's the way you want to show her love, but she's not able to receive that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like goes both ways. Like, well, I don't like hugging because it could be something like somebody might have touched her. Yeah. Or, you know, it could be a trigger for something else. She might have been, like, abused or something. Or, yeah. with or, her, or anything. It just, yeah. With her, it would just... Um, she was she she just was a hug, right? So, or it, somebody was yeah, so in that space, like, right? Yeah, so she it was uncomfortable yeah, to her. We're only yeah, children, no. so it was kind of like we're only children. We don't really we, we don't have siblings, so we in, interacted with each other. So it was like she just was a hug, so she doesn't like to be hugged. But now mm-hmm. it's like she knows that that's my mm-hmm. love language. Mm-hmm. So now it's like okay, Ebony needs a hug, <laughs> right? Let me go hug Ebony, right. and that's things, and and it just goes to show that like we have to teach people our love language yeah Yeah. and um vocalize like hey i need a hug or i need you to say i love you or something like that because if it's not what we do then you don't know yeah and then also it's it's weird that some women even say that like well he's he's gotta be tough you know do that but if you have a daughter yeah would you want your daughter to date that son then? Yeah. So you want her to be with a man who can't tell her he loves her or be able to show her the type of affection that she might be, or even you desire as a woman. Mm-hmm. So I think that indirectly, I, I think most women probably raise their sons thinking of what kind of man or what type of affection yeah. they need back. And that's why sometimes some women get a little too into it mm-hmm. with like, the father, um, the mother son relationship thing, uh, but because he's really not your man. Yeah, let's be yeah. clear like, he's I not your you man. Yeah. You know, they yeah. go a little too overboard, yeah. but just like, you know, a female, like, you're supposed to be raising them and to be the uh, a queen. Uh, yeah, a queen yeah. or a king. So, you, yeah. we're supposed to be stealing both of those things. Like, right. men have to be able to show their wives or their girlfriends those type of things and they have kids they have to be able to pass down those same type of emotions mm-hmm. it's not going to be the same way they're not soft if you know they tear up or yeah. if you know they express themselves but that's a stigma or stereotype in, in probably a lot of cultures not yeah. just a black yeah. culture that, yeah. that has to be overcome mm-hmm. and men hold a lot of things in because of that because yeah. they don't yeah, know how they want to and express that's why themselves. I try to you have to learn how as a woman if, especially when you're raising men how to balance that out mm-hmm. um, it's okay to teach them the toughness because I do I want them to be street smart I want them to know certain mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. and there were certain things I would teach them that people would say why are you showing them that or why are you because they need to know yeah. they have questions yeah. I want them to see something crazy and be like well man let's sit down and talk about yeah. it and I, I was so open with them not open to the point where I'm 
I'm their friend, mm-hmm. but I was open to the point where I wanted them to trust me with everything. And be mm-hmm. comfortable. You know, mm-hmm. mommy's going to be the one that's going to get you out of yeah. your crap when yeah. you get into it. Uh-huh. I'm not going to judge you. I might be mad. Yeah. I might fuss. I might yell. I'm going to act crazy. Right. But ultimately, I'm going to be the one that's going to help you get out of the situation. Right. So you need to be able to trust me yeah. with everything. That's so you got to learn. You got it's like you said. It's something you have to teach people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay to it's okay to cry. It's mm-hmm. okay to you know don't internalize stuff because it's the worst thing people can do because mm-hmm. it hinders you from so much because you thinking you can handle everything on your own. Right. And I was that person. And as I was dealing with myself and the things that I didn't like about myself, I tried to teach them differently because I wanted them to see overall of how to be a per. I don't want my kids to be a bum. Mm-hmm. Let's be realistic. I don't want them to be a bum. I don't want them mistreating women. Mm-hmm. I don't want them thinking it's okay to um, to, to treat women bad or do certain things. So mm-hmm. this is why I got out of a situation right. so that they wouldn't see those things. But I also have to teach them that it's okay to communicate. Yeah. It's okay to express. If you if you angry, you don't always have to express anger with fighting. Right. You know what I'm saying? Gotta be physical. Yeah, yeah. You got to be mature enough yeah. to say at some point. Okay, let's have a conversation. Right, let's right. address this. I mean, not saying that you're never going to get physical with yeah. somebody, because sometimes you have to take it there. Yeah. I'm just going to be realistic. But if you can do it this way, do it this way. But it don't make you look like a punk right. or weak because right. you're doing it this way. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. Exactly. But you need to know when to be tough mm-hmm. and when to be mature mm-hmm. and when to you know show emotions. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you have to overall culturally teach Young men. Like, I have a big passion for men. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, I do, especially black men, because I think women should love on them more. Right. And I think the reason why they are the way they are is not because they can't get a woman mm-hmm. or you can't get somebody that they can sleep with, but they don't get women to really love them and appreciate them where they are. Right. So I try to teach my kids that, you know, you want to, this is what you want to look for. Somebody that's going to have your back where you are. Right. Not somebody that's going to put you down or tear you down and not make you feel like a man. Right. It was times when my husband... That, <laughs> Wait a minute. Dead dad didn't have money, you uh, know, and I was making the money. Mm-hmm. And when we would go out, I would give him the money to pay the bill because yeah. I wanted him to still feel like he yeah, was a man, yeah, right, you know, right, in a situation. Right, right. I never wanted him to make him feel bad for where he was or who yeah, he was yeah. in that situation. And that's yeah. what I try to tell my kids. Mm-hmm. Look at people hard right. and judge them based on that. And that's mm-hmm. the people that you want to involve yourself and be around. Right, 100%. But though, with everything y'all just said, going into my next question was about everything that's going on now with our men and, well, black mm-hmm. people, period. But, you know, um, well, that's it. Yeah, black people, period. Not just our men, but um, more recently is George Floyd. But it's just, you know, the the police brutality. And um, thankfully, we had a peaceful protest down here and nothing got wild. But just the fact that, you know, our men, well, the men of the community are kind of like the number one enemy. Mm. And y'all raising young men. And that's, that was the whole purpose of this episode, like I said in the beginning. So y'all thoughts and feelings on all of that that's going on. Just so, with just kids in mind. I have a lot of fears, and I'm going to be honest. Um, every time my kids step out the house, I'm afraid. Mm. Um, my kids are teenagers. they in their early 20s. And... All of them have cars. They, you know, they're young men. And if every time I'm, they leave out the door, I'm like, I have to give them a speech. They already know the speech and what to do. Mm-hmm. And I've had two of my kids get pulled over. And having them, yesterday they called me. My to stay on the phone with me, no problem. But I could hear them being 
polite, yes, sir, no, sir, you know, giving it all to everything. And then to hear also get aggressive with them. And both times, both of the kids got pulled out of the car. Are we searching the car? And if this can go either good or bad, and you sitting on the other end, like, not knowing what can happen, like, if they move the wrong way, is they going to shoot them or they going to, you know, my heart dropped and then the phone goes dead. So I know they didn't, they didn't cut the phone off because they've already pulled out the car. The police cut the car, the phone off because mm-hmm. they don't want to hear the interaction. And this fear comes over you and you just don't know if you'll ever see your child again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you try to get to the, get to them, but you just also, and me, I'm praying while I'm in route to see what's going on. But those few seconds feel like an eternity. Yeah. And it's like um, the worst feeling a parent can have. And you want your kids to have not their own things. You you, you you raise them to go out here and get good get jobs, get make money, mm-hmm. buy your own house, buy your own car, do certain things. But for the young black man, it's, it's a problem mm-hmm. in today's society to have those things because you look at it as a target. Yeah. Is he a drug dealer? Mm-hmm. Is he this or he is he that? No. Mm-hmm. He right. goes to school. He's in college. He's right. this. He's you know. Right. So they stereotype us regardless. Yeah. And I always got to tell them, no matter what you do, mm-hmm. they're gonna always stereotype you. And yeah. you can even be doing a speed limit. You can be doing everything right. Your your, your papers are good. They still gonna stop you just because. How you look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, they didn't get tickets. They let them go. Mm-hmm. But yet, they still they pulled them out the car and searched their car. Yeah. You know. And it's just like that. I think I'm I'm glad it happened to them. Because they could see the things I'm telling them is a reality. Right. And, you know, sometimes they see things on TV and until it happens to you, it's just you like, yeah, you it. don't yeah. believe it. Mm-hmm. So it's always a big fear. But I think it's something that we really need to keep instilling in our kids. And I think kids, I know people were saying kids shouldn't be at a protest. Um, I get that aspect of it because it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. But we got to figure out a way that they see firsthand yeah. what's going on. Right. Because they, they're going to be clueless. You can't. I, I, we. You know, we we moved in different communities so they can have better life. They can mm-hmm. go to better schools, mm-hmm. but you don't want them to not see what it's really like in the hood or mm-hmm. what it's really like in yeah. the inner city. No, because yeah, they it. need yeah. to know yeah. because they're gonna That's be clueless and green, and then they're gonna go ahead and just act crazy, yeah. thinking everything is everybody's good and mm-hmm. everybody's not good. Yeah, yeah. That's a yeah, that's a that's a struggle, and I think because my son is still young. Mm-hmm. It hasn't really impacted me yet. Mm-hmm. Like it's impacted me as just a person, just mm-hmm. a black person. Like just watching, the, like it's actually a bit traumatic mm-hmm. to like keep watching the videos and just see like things, just like yeah. like people just senselessly murdered. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they're not murdered murdered in other ways, but by people who are there to protect you in the community. That's yeah. a different, a higher standard. Right. So it's it's just different, and. Um, Tristan's a bit green like he's he's really green so yeah. like yeah, I, I, I worry about him because I'm fortunate enough that he's still like a kid kid mm-hmm. you know I, I love that like he he might want to still play with blocks or mm-hmm. you know like he's not in a rush yeah he's not yeah, yeah he's not really worldly so mm-hmm. he's just being a kid mm-hmm. and it's hard I don't know how to even really start having those other conversations with him because because of his mindset mm-hmm. Some of the things I know he's not going to grasp. Okay. So it's like I'm trying to figure out sometimes the best way to bring up topics mm-hmm. or interject things because, you know, I even see it in school. I see it in school and he's not young enough to know what it is. But like if well, a black kid acts out, he goes to a predominantly white school or, you know, other races. And it's like, well, why is he like, well, did you sit the other kid down? Yeah. Or, you know, if he's just hyper, not being physical, you know, he's yeah. not been in a fight or anything like that. But. 
what I mean, like when they look at behaviors that may be disruptive to the class, mm-hmm. I, 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 from my experience, I feel like they demonize it more in a black child than any other. True. So, you know, if a white child won't sit still, maybe he has ADHD yeah, or something, you know, yeah. they, they, they're more, they excuse ner- it. yeah, they excuse mm-hmm. it more or like, oh, well, this black kid doing it, he's a problem. Yeah. It's like that stigma even if they don't mean it, it's already instilled in their heads right. as well. Right. So certain situations, and I'm like, well, the kid bully him, like, okay, well, I feel like this was my child. We'd have had a conversation because you called me about less. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so what was what happened to this child who actually right. put their hands on my right. child? Like, right. well, what did you, like, is that you're always more sympathetic and empathetic to other races mm-hmm. because whether they want to believe it or not, even if it's not their fault, because even the images of um, you know, black men being violent has been put in our own heads. Mm-hmm. Be from movies or, you know, things that we've seen over and over throughout media. You know, those things are in your psyche. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to kind of like get him to see because I feel like he's not going to really understand the other side. Okay. And I, I want to take them to a protest. Actually, my youngest daughter actually asked to go. She's mm-hmm. way more aware mm-hmm. of what's going on so she can receive information better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also been like nervous, like getting anxiety. Like, I don't know what the good protest is going to be. Yeah, what you know, change, what could happen there? Right. But at the same time, we have to almost stop living in fear because I can be, we can be in a car accident and get hurt. Yeah. So you don't know what's going to happen at the yeah. protest, but it's not a reason to not go. True. So I made a decision to just take them and all we can do is be careful. Just like with the Corona, all right, we can do right, is just right. be, True. you know, be careful. Our, our day, our lives are already pretty much mapped out. Yeah. You know, just the, we just got to follow the plan. <laughs> I mean, it's, not, it's just a, such a hard topic because it's, there's so many factors that contribute to where we are now that, even as adults, it's like, where do you start? Where do you address it? Yeah. So to try to explain that to a child or try to tell him that he has to have different precautions than his friends that he's riding the bus with. Like, mm-hmm. you guys are the same, but you're not. Right. Yeah. So you're trying to teach equality. and You want to teach kids, you know, we're all tr- created equal, but we're really not. We're really not. So it, that's, that's, that's kind of hard for a kid to process. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, e. To be honest, it's scary. Um, to even think about, to even think about it, like you were saying, we have younger children, so we really haven't had to experience it as much. But I think it's crazy to me that I'm having a conversation with an eight-year-old about how to deal with the police and what's going on, and he's very in tune to what is going on. I've had to have tough conversations with him within the last year and a half. So from the age of seven to now, it's conversations about police. I called him on FaceTime when everything basically happened because he's a TV kid. He's a TV and a gamer. TV's on in the back mm-hmm. and he's in a gamer. And every channel's being interrupted. You have you have a um, Black Lives Matter commercial on Nickelodeon. Yeah, um, so it's it's there. So I'm trying to have this open dialogue with him. I'm like, hey, did, did what do you think about this? At first I asked him, did he know who... George Floyd was, and he said, yes, he's the guy who the police killed. And I said, okay, so what do you think about that? And just try to have like that open dialogue because him at such a young age already have a perception of police because of where we're from, how um, how he's raised, basically. Um, 
my father, my grandfather, my uncles, their his uncles, they're very dominant. They're very there in his life, and they basically don't sugarcoat with him. Um, they're really honest. His father wasn't a sugar coater when it, like like I said in the beginning I made him explain certain stuff to him because I wasn't doing it. So he he didn't really have tact. Let's just say that. So so when he spoke he's he spoke in the best way that he knew how, but to a 7-year-old it's like that was a lot. Yeah, like that's a lot. Like okay. So right. let me just stay away from yeah. let me just stay away from y'all because this is what y'all do. So it is very it's very hard to Try to explain what's going on. Like, for example, I made him watch um, Just Mercy. Because I feel like a lot of the movies can be a lot for a child um, that actually explain racial injustice and things like that. But I thought Just Mercy was a great depiction of what's actually going on, like something that he could grasp mm-hmm. at his age. That's and, a new film? Yeah, with um, Jamie Foxx. Oh, and Michael Jordan. And, and Michael okay, okay, Jordan. Okay, right, right. It was, and I watched it first. Mm-hmm. I watched it. Um, with my significant other, and he's a black male. Right. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, like, emotional. I'm mad. And I was like, I don't know if it's the climate of what's going on right now, but I'm, like, bawling in tears. And he's looking at me like, oh, you good? Right. And I'm like, you not mad? Like, I'm heated. And I'm like, and I said, I think it just goes deeper to me because I'm like, this could have been my grandfather. This could have, like, all these black men, this can be my brother. This can be my uncle's, like, it's, it's no cut cards. Mm-hmm. He could be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And Love that's that. just that. And right. it's just one particular scene in a movie where the police told the young man, like, you're locked up because you look like you could have did it. Whether you did it or not, one of your homeboys did. Yeah. Like, yo, and, right. and, and, this, and this is set in... And that's how bold they are. Yeah, and that's how bold. And, and, that, and this was set, like, in the... Early late late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. So it's like if that happened just then, and it's still happening now, it's still going to be happening. And it's going to happen from, from ten years from now yeah. when he's 18 and he's right. driving and he has a car. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, say yes, sir. Say yes, man. Mm-hmm. Place your hands out. Don't reach for anything. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. It it it, it just does not matter. Yeah. Like, you can have a daggone degree from Yale, and they don't see that. They right. see you as a black boy oh, and this Lexus that's brand new, and you should not be in this neighborhood, yeah. but you're visiting your grandmother. Yeah. Right. So, it's, it's just... It's wild. Everything is, is wild, and like I was saying, like when, when we think of stuff as mothers, you think about the next step. Like You're not just thinking about this one decision. What is this decision going to lead to? Like My son is in the fourth grade. I'm thinking about where he's going to middle school at. Then I need for him to, he's in fourth grade, I need for you to keep your, your grade point average up. He's looking at me like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm eight. Right? <laughs> What's a grade point average? And right. I'm like, no, but I need for you, yeah. I need for you to do this and I need for you to do that. And his report card got mailed and I'm like, okay, and I'm really excited for him. He got good grades. And I'm like, look, look, look. And he's like, okay, like that's right. what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Mm-hmm. But it's just having those conversations is the toughest thing. And by me being a black female, I don't know what it feels like to be a black mm-hmm. male. So it's a lot of it's a lot of different things where it's though we have to reach out to other people because the father is not there for us to reach out to or things like that. So I think that's where the support system 
from our families, our communities, and things like that comes into play mm -hmm. with showing our young men what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Like, I may have did this, but you're going to be better than me. Right. And I just think it's very, very important for our communities and for our families to be open and have that open dialogue with the children and not try to hide it. Because mm -hmm. once you hide it, you're hindering. Yes. Because these I children agree. don't know that, oh, my grandfather went through this, but they thinking that it's something new. Right. No. Yeah. Pop up been did that. Yeah. Right. Did right. that, been there, moved on. Right. But I can tell you firsthand, you're not going to get nowhere with it. Right. So I, I think just having open conversations is the biggest thing right now, especially with everything that's going on with him and with within the world. So having those conversations is key. Mm. Like it's it's tough. Because like I said, I'm emotional. I was steaming. Yeah. <laughs> so but I'm trying to be level headed and have this conversation with him and not have so much emotion in it like, hey, mm. watch this. Cut on CNN. Like he watched the protests in DC and it just so happened that that's when the tear gas happened and the rubber bullets and he's sitting there like but they weren't doing anything. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm like... That's how it be. That's what happens sometimes. And it's just open dialogue. I think I try to, like, raise my kids like that from day one um, to just be open and, like, encourage them to think. Like, I always try to create an environment where they... That, like, cater to their um, thinking. Mm -hmm. Like, if you were curious about this, okay, go ahead and touch it. Mm -hmm. Or if you, you wanted to know, like... Just not um, let their minds be naturally stimulated. Because mm -hmm. I think that growing up, you know, you hear, sit down, yeah, stop yeah, running, yeah, yeah. don't do this, don't that. So and you're like, the fear God, yeah, so you're yeah. just like, it kind of like sheltered your growth in a way. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't, like, you know, you couldn't really go talk to your parents about something. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you couldn't explore thoughts. Like, if you didn't understand something, like, that type of open dialogue just wasn't really catered to. And I think it's just, that was just the history of it. Like, yeah. we can't talk about things. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, we just got to get, you, you brush things underneath the rug. Mm -hmm. You don't really address serious issues. Right. And it like it makes parenting a lot harder mm -hmm. because, you know, that inquisitive kid's mind, they're always wondering about something, always in something. So it definitely is like, makes parenting in itself, especially if you're a single parent, a lot harder. Mm -hmm. But, I think it's priceless on what it kind of instills in the kids from like an early age, like right. to openly think and process things on their own mm -hmm. and just like try to learn. And, you know, although I'm still trying to figure out the quote unquote right way to introduce kind of like what's still going on right. in society, because you don't want to always revert to like roots or something like you know it's, it's more the history than just right. that aspect of the yeah. world like you know yeah. Talia showing me a clip from 12 years of slave and I'm like almost about to cry like not that I haven't seen the movie yeah. again but I think everything is so heightened mm -hmm. now and it's like it's just hitting you stronger like yeah. Yeah. wow like I saw her get whipped before but like like you're really whipping her like yeah. I think we even have like got so immune to like mm -hmm. our own history and yeah. what and that trauma that yeah. that caused that we even brush it under yeah. and, and make it seem like it's not a big deal but it was yeah. and we are so hard on each other mm -hmm. like we gotta start holding each other accountable that's mm -hmm. how Black Wall Street was that's how our neighborhoods and communities were so strong mm -hmm. and prevalent before they you know the, all the drugs and all the stuff mm -hmm. entered in the community to damage it again mm -hmm. but it's because we held each other accountable right. and we supported each other. And that's really where we have to get back to because you can't do it alone. Right. Like 
it like even when I was growing up, I loved that we could go and just freely walk around our community yep. and, and mm-hmm. not be touched. Yeah. You know, and if something happened, if if somebody saw you wilding out, they would tell your mother. Right. Or they they would feel comfortable enough, like, okay, Kevin, you know Straighten what, it out. Yeah, what you doing? You know you're not yeah. supposed to be doing that and tell your mother. Yeah. Like that's holding everyone accountable right. because you need that. Yeah. It's not being judgmental, it's like, but you need that support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it just Today in this age is just holding people accountable, and it's very frustrating to to hear the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you say Black Lives Matter, then people bring up even Black people bring up like, oh, what about all the Black on Black crime? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and that's that's so draining in itself yeah. because yeah, it's a different battle. It's, it, yeah, it's yeah. a different battle. Let's take and care you, of this issue. Yeah, yes. address one at a yeah. time because we're not saying it's okay for us to kill right. each other, but, but we're saying that this important. is your job. Yeah, yeah. It's just. It's, you know, it's like a, if a judge breaks the the um, the law mm-hmm. and he doesn't get any time, but if I break a law, it's a misdemeanor. You want to give me 20 years? Exactly. Like, it's just asking for equality. Right. So stop taking away, address one thing at a time. Right. And I feel like if we can open our minds and our way of thinking or even hearing or even doing a little bit more our own research mm-hmm. before we go out and start, oh, no, this and that, just yeah. thinking about the overall picture because mm-hmm. if we only think about how it affects just our lives mm-hmm. we're, we're still not going to grow right. mm-hmm. because we didn't grow from people only taking a chance on what for them mm-hmm. like even just bring up the most common civil rights leaders Malcolm X or mm-hmm. Martin Luther King it was not for their best interest for them to put themselves out there yeah. like that yeah. and yeah. make those sacrifices it right. was for the greater good you're right. not going to get any change and even the protesters today mm-hmm. they don't it's have for to the right, it's, it's for the future right it's for the future like that's why I'll kid. The growth of one person is supposed to be the growth of all. Yeah. So you keep thinking about, oh, my business not affected. Right. My, you know, my it ain't life. ain't about that. But it will be because, yeah. you know, you could, be, like she said, you could be from Yale. Right. You're that, you're that one successful business owner, but you're not going to be to that exactly. cop. Exactly. You're just going to be another black man. Right. 100%. So you have to change that even with the most educated person because it's just not people who are uneducated who don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just think think about it from a different perspective and mm-hmm. how what you're doing affects us all. Right. 100 um, percent. So we got I had a lot more questions, but we got to wrap up. But I got one more that I want y'all to answer as brief as possible. And I asked this um, not because I the, the running theme and in. Quote that I use in, the, in a lot of the episodes is you must teach what is taught. So my question to y'all is to two questions. One is what was the biggest the biggest lesson so far that y'all have learned raising a man? That's one. And the other one is what advice would you give to a young parent, young woman raising a man? Whether it's single, family, whatever. Just your advice from y'all experience. What would you share to a young woman that's that's coming, like, you know, raising a man. Two questions. <laughs> that's deep. Um, so you said what, what it was. The first one the, was, what's the toughest? I mean, what's the, what, what is the, what is the, um, what have you learned about yourself raising a man? Um, Out of raising y'all men. I learned that I can't be, I can't get my kids with a, what a man can get them. Um and what I mean is there's certain things that I will never understand that they deal with because I don't, I won't experience that because I'm not a man okay. and I'm not a black man. Right. So there's certain aspects of their life that, I mean, I can teach them everything. I can get them everything I know mm-hmm. from my experience, from what I've seen, from what I've seen my uncles and um, mm-hmm. nephews and things go through. But mm-hmm. being certain aspects of things that they're going to deal with as black men, I won't be able to relate. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
that's one of the biggest, hardest things for me is because I watched them go through certain things. Like even my youngest son with losing a couple of friends, I saw a change in him, but I didn't know how to address the change because I never experienced that. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes you have to be around people who have gone through certain things that that you haven't gone through or certain things you have gone through in order for you to learn. I can't teach you how to get off of using drugs if I never used drugs before. That's nothing. I can't relate to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things I would want to give to all parents um, is to be real supportive. Mm -hmm. If your kids have something that they are adamantly about, want to do, I would just support them wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, be there, listen, pay attention, because there's certain things that they deal with that they're not going to come to us and talk about. But you got to look at behaviors because it's a lot of kids that's depressed. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of kids that's dealing with a lot of... Um, trauma from things that they they dealing with that we don't know about. And sometimes we just look at it as, oh, maybe they just acting out or they just a bad child or um, they just going through the teenage years. No, it's deeper. Mm -hmm. And I learned that when he went through his process because I kept saying something's not right. He's not just acting out for no reason. This is not this child. Mm -hmm. And then he finally opened up to me and told me after losing certain people, those close friends to him and some of his friends getting shot up at a party that he felt... Like, he didn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. And it scared me because I don't want to ever get to the part where his heart is hardened yeah. to the point where he just don't care. Right. Because that's a dangerous place for a person to be. Right. So um, I would say always pay attention. Be very mindful of what your children are going through, dealing with, or into. Um, always allow them to be able to communicate with you openly without being judgmental. Don't be ju- don't judge them for nothing. That's big. Big or very small. Big. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> very um, big. Because you don't. We all make mistakes. Don't yeah. act like you're the perfect parent and you never right. done anything. Right. Have real conversations with them. Mm-hmm. And something I learned from my cousins, <laughs> don't put your kids' business out there. True. You know, mm-hmm. stop trying to make yourself look better by making them look bad. Right, right. Okay. I think that I learned, what I learned from being a mother is patience. Okay. Um... To utilize my support systems because I have a great support systems mm-hmm. between my my grandparents, my mother, my best friend, um, aunts, uncles, is to reach out to them. It's things like you were saying, it's things as a as a growing up as a black man, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like for um, instance, when my I had to teach my son how to use the restroom, standing up. I don't know how to do that. (laughs) Phone a friend. So I I think the biggest thing is to ask for help when you need it and not to be so hard on yourself uh, because every decision that you make, you're constantly trying to figure, did I do this right? Did did I make the right decision? And it's okay to make the wrong decision and not beat yourself up over it. And the biggest thing, learn from it and apologize to your children. Um. If you do something wrong, if you had a bad day and you yelled, then, because I know I do it, and it's not even geared towards them. I had a bad day at work. And I had to reevaluate and go back, and I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to do that. That's important. Because Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not always right. Right. And Mm -hmm. I might tell you some stuff that's wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And just accountability. Own it. Ask for help. And do your best. I like that. I think the um, biggest thing I've learned or I could say is like just being very intentional about 
your relationships with your kids and the relationships that you have around them. Mm-hmm. Like, be very intentional about what you display. Like, even if you move on to another partner, I always, like, I want to make sure I'm, with the relationship that I'm in, mm-hmm. I'm showing them the correct way to love. Okay. Or be very intentional about what they see. Mm-hmm. Like, as far as inter- interacting with each other mm-hmm. on a rem- or romantic level. Mm-hmm. And then just other people, like, you know... You, even if their dad is there, you're just co-parenting or the mom, I still think it's important to have those other strong male and female role models around. Right. And I think just being very intentional of the the circumstances and the positions and the, the things you put your kids in. Mm-hmm. Because you never know how any of those things are going to affect the child. True. You know, you don't know what, you know, what you're going to pick up on. Like, if you think about back to some random moment in childhood, like, wow, that really changed my thought on it. It could be the most, yeah. you know, your teacher, like one of my teachers was nice to me or mm-hmm. something like that, and it really changed my whole day mm-hmm. or perspective on a particular thing. Right. So you never know how those relationships are going to, I don't want to say manipulate, but mm-hmm. change their thought process or instill in them. So you want to make sure you're intentional about the positive people that you have them around. Right. Um, and yeah, I always say be accountable and I mean, that's just, that's my big thing. Like, you know, no one is perfect. Um, just, just teaching kids to be good people. I mean, I think we are just so far from just the, um, just being good people. (laughs) Like, you know, everyone is just so, I don't, I, I don't want to say negative, but just like, out for self or selfish mm-hmm. it's just like do you really want your kids to grow up in this world mm-hmm. like you know just try to create the environment that you want your child to be in okay like just overall be, be very intentional about what you want for your child is most likely what the other person want for their child yeah all right well in closing Again, I thank y'all. This is a very necessary conversation. I, I hope everyone gets something out of this beneficial and um, the right ears hear this because it, it makes a difference. And um, just just continue to keep being positive. And it's tough right now with everything going on, but just try to stay positive and stay, uh, you know, keep our young men and young women alive and, and on the right path. So, um, like I said, I, I tip my hat to all three of these women and every woman raising kids out here because it's tough right now and um definitely you want to do a part two on this because we need i got more questions and we need more answers to a lot of stuff. <laughs> but uh in closing y'all can um you know share your social media or anything y'all got going on y'all want to put out there w <laughs> <laughs> well um I'm gonna give my easy IG name. Okay. Even though it's my personal. Both. Life. You need both. Promote your business. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me make sure because let me get the right one. Her <laughs> Instagram <laughs> is W H T I F F White Tiff <laughs> at White Tiff, and her That's business is Madison at Madison Street. Madison Street. Spelled out then LLC. LLC. But follow that when I'm. And personal. what? What do you? What do you? <laughs> what is your business about? I'm actually um, a licensed contractor, so it's about interior design and contracting, okay. and a real estate agent. So, it's me. Okay. the best out there. <laughs> <laughs> Drop your social, uh, Mo, because I'm gonna post it anyway. <laughs> 
more Michelle? It? Yeah, something like that. I don't At know. more Michelle on Instagram. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, my Instagram is underscore Wilson underscore. I don't have any businesses, but I do promote a lot of businesses on my page. Check it mm-hmm. out. So check it out. You have different things, jewelry, T-shirts, um, youth athletic training. So definitely check it out. I, I, I support. And we all, we all right now, we all on supporting black businesses as well. So everybody support, support. Uh, Dr. Butler, who has a show on the network as well. He has these. Super, I wish he was here to give the the, uh, the the spiel about the lights, but they're very powerful, um, healthy, clean lights that does a lot for the house and for the uh, bacteria and things like that. We'll get him to explain that later, but check it out, check it out. So pure until light. until next time, oh yeah, pure light. So until <laughs> next time, check out. We need answers. Thank you. Out the window, she already know my niggas, they gon' come and see you. They like bang little miserable, boy, you gonna see through. <laughs> a young boy, yeah, I'm a gang banger. Fangers black hoodie crew, fuck you niggas, middle finger. Nigga. And if you